Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good to see each and every one of you this morning, and welcome to those worshiping online. My name is Dennis. I'm one of the four pastors here at the church. I'm just delighted that you're part of this service with me today as we can grow together in Jesus. I love the little phrase, the new year stretches out before us like a field of newly fallen snow. Do you like that? All these opportunities are there. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at God's will for our lives, God's will for us individually as well as corporately as a Jesus movement here in Miami County. And I'm super excited to plug into God's word with you. And so we're starting today focusing on the topic of waiting or wait. Next week, we'll be looking at the word follow, and then we'll wrap things up with find, find God's will. Before we look into the scripture today from Luke chapter two, I want to share something I just recently heard that I think that you'll enjoy. I heard about a fast food critic, food critic, a reporter who decided to go around to different restaurants and take the photos of products on the menu and then compare those ads to real life. Would they look any different in real life than they do in the advertisement? What do you think, gang? And so that's what he did. He was from California, and I thought we would enjoy seeing some of his results, okay? Any Burger King fans, Whopper fans, that looks pretty juicy. Somebody in here might be a little hungry, and you may end up going to Burger King, but this is what it really looks like, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not too appetizing, right? Looks like someone got sick there. Forgive me, Lord. I just ruined your lunch. And then the guy went over to Subway. How many enjoy a good Subway club? Yeah, looks pretty good. Here's real life. You talk about a sandwich that could be depressed, that's the sandwich. Taco Bell, Katina, Power Burrito, Hot Sizzling Steak. There's the ad, here's real life. <laughs> Disgusting. And finally this, plain old McDonald's. Now, McDonald's McDouble, if you just want a simple little nice sandwich to go, here's the ad, here's real life. <laughs> Sticking its tongue out at you <laughs> today. So, you hear today that we're kicking off a series, Discover God's Will for Your Life, and you're saying, yeah, right. I've heard messages like this before, but the truth is, pastor, that the promise on the menu hasn't been what real life has experienced in my life. It doesn't look like the picture. 
You may be thinking today, you know, by now I thought I'd be married. By now I thought I would have finished college. By now I would have a better house. By now I thought I would have this job that I dreamed of, but it didn't happen like that. For those who are older, you're towards the end of your life and you're saying, I thought I would make a greater impact. My life would have ripples, but yet the image that I had in my mind is not reality. And perhaps that's where most of us are. What will 2023 be like? Can we really know God's will? Can we live in God's will? Can we fulfill God's will and purpose for our own lives? But even greater than that, because we're not called to ourselves, we're called to do life together. And we say that a lot here at Gingensburg. What would be God's will for us, for God's people here to change the world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. And so what I want to do, I want to look at a guy in the Bible who was waiting to discover God's promise. Many of us enter 2023 in a season of waiting. And I want to look at it through the eyes of this man who's actually part of the Christmas story we're going to continue on the Christmas story. See, it didn't end on Christmas Eve. In fact, last week, Pastor Fitz gave a great message. Did you catch it? If not, go back in our demand channel and check it out on waiting. And he talked about Mary, the birth of Jesus, pondering all these things in her heart. Excellent, excellent message. So what I thought, of, as I was praying through this, season of next steps, I thought, I want to put a coin in the parking meter and park the car one more week, and I would like for us to simply spend a little more time on this subject of waiting, because many of us are in a season of waiting. And what better way to do it than to continue on with the Christmas story of what happened after the angels stopped singing, after the shepherds went home or went back to their flocks at night, what happened next? The other side of Christmas. Can we know what really happened next? Well, actually, we can because Luke recorded it in the next verses. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up your New Testament to Luke chapter 2. Of course, on Christmas Eve, I stood on this stage and we talked about Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. But now we're going to look at verses 25 to 33. Perhaps you have a Bible app on your phone. Just go ahead and just open up Luke 2, 25 to 33. Hear these words from Holy Scripture today. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said 
about him. It's God's word for us today. Now, Luke tells us that 40 days after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, being faithful Jews in accordance to Jewish law, made their way from Bethlehem, a suburb of Jerusalem, six miles north to the heart of the nation, to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, to fulfill their obligations to offer a burnt sacrifice and offer a sacrifice for Mary's purification. It was in accord to the book of Leviticus in the Mosaic Law, part of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books, Penta means five, Leviticus is in the middle, the Law of Moses. According to Leviticus chapter 12, 40 days after the birth of a son, parents are to bring themselves to a time of offering. It was part of the ceremonial law of Israel at the time. They were to present a lamb as a burnt offering and a pigeon or a dove as a sin offering. Now, we also know that if they were unable to afford a lamb, they could give the poor person's gift, which would be two doves instead of a a lamb. And we see from the text that they gave to doves to pigeons. So they did not give a lamb. We can now know that they were poor um, because out of their heart, they would have given a lamb if they could have afforded it, but they gave the substitute instead. Luke tells us that waiting in the temple that day was a man named Simeon. Now we know a little bit about him. It says he was righteous. He was devout And he was waiting on the Messiah. He had, well, we don't understand how this happened, but he had been, according to Luke, promised that he would not die until he had beheld the Messiah, the Christ. We don't know how old he was. Tradition has it that he was quite old. In fact, the Eastern Orthodox Church puts him over 100 years old. Often when we see paintings of Simeon holding Jesus, an artist's rendition usually puts him as an elderly man. The text doesn't tell us his age. We can assume perhaps he was elderly. I like to think in my mind, first of all, because he was not alone. He was with a woman, a widow named Anna, who Luke mentioned she was in her 80s. So he was with an older woman. She was waiting as well. And it also says when he receives the child, he prays, now let your servant depart in peace as if to die, my life is fulfilled. So whether he was just saying, hey, my life is fulfilled, I don't need anything more as a younger person, or he's an elderly man and says, my life is complete. God, thank you. But here we have this picture of these two faithful individuals. Let me also remind you, it was during this time in the first century that Israel was under foreign domination, occupation. They were prisoners in their own land. They were under the occupation of the Roman Empire, like perhaps some areas of Ukraine would be under Russian domination, perhaps seeing troops on the street corner. So they longed to be free. And there were many people during that time that longed for a Messiah, a political leader, a general, 
who would lead a revolt against the Romans that they could have their freedom. In fact, there was a group named the Zealots who longed and strategized about a time where this political figure, this Messiah, this anointed one would come over the Mount of Olives and would crush the Romans. They look back to a time a couple hundred years before the Maccabean period in which Israel gained their freedom and they longed for freedom again. In fact, and I don't want to unpack this too much, we'll wait till Palm Sunday, but we'll see when Jesus came up over the Mount of Olives, there were those who cried out Hosanna, which in Hebrew literally means God save us, deliver us. And for many, it was a political statement, save us from these Romans. God. And so along with the zealots, there was another group of people. They were known as the quiet in the land, the quiet in the land. They were a group that longed for a spiritual leader, a Messiah figure who would come in the line of Isaiah, that he would be wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, that the government would be upon his shoulders. They longed for him and they prayed and they met quietly in peace in the temple daily. And they read scripture and they sang songs and they were faithful. Simeon and Anna were known as the quiet in the land. They were part of that group that were praying for the spiritual heart of their country. They were in a season of waiting. As we enter 2023, many of us are in a season of waiting. What will 2023 be like? I don't know about you, but I would love for God to email me in detail an itinerary of everything that's going to happen in my life in 2023. It's not going to happen. Of course, if I would have got that little email in January of 2022, I might have ran, ran the other direction. <laughs> I had no idea I'd be standing on this stage right now. But many of us long to know the future. We're in a season of waiting. Some of us have been waiting for a while for a child. Nature's not been cooperating. We've been praying and we're not hearing from God. And we're waiting. Is there something wrong, God? And we're waiting, and we're waiting. And we've been waiting for years. There are grandparents-to-be who are waiting, who are waiting. Some of us are waiting to know if they're gonna have a job in 2023. Rachel and I have been in that season with her. She was a leader in the Methodist church in her career in the credit union finance for 15 years. And then over the last year, she's been unemployed and we're seeing what direction do you have? And of course, we had no idea of all the transitions in our life. And so we're in a season of waiting. Some of you are wondering if you're going to have a job in the future, the way the things have been with the economy or with your supervisor, and you're waiting. Some here are waiting for a prodigal or son to come home, and you're waiting. There are those under the sound of my voice or listening online that you've been waiting for some time for, to hear the words from someone, I love you or I forgive you, some of you are waiting. I have a buddy in Piqua who's here today, his name's Daryl Cress. He's been waiting for years for the Cleveland Browns to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> Not gonna happen. He'll deal with me later. So we're waiting, we're waiting. What do we do when we wait? Waiting's not easy, right? And I want you to hear, I don't want to sugarcoat the message. 
This is not Pollyanna. This is not pie in the sky. This is not come to church. Don't worry, be happy. Because if you're in a season of waiting, listen to this truth. It's easy to recognize the truth when you're not living in the tension of it. It's easy for me to give platitudes if I'm not going through it. But when you're in the tension of it, it's hard sometimes to see it all. So I don't want to dismiss it. You know, I said in the first service, I scratched my head looking back at U.S. history that some people could be where they were with racial segregation. I mean, couldn't they see the sin of that? But it's easy for me years later to look at that and point it out because I'm not living in the tension of it in the same way that we were. However, it's easy for us now to look back, and next week we'll deal with this more with MLK Day, and say, I would have been with Martin Luther King Jr. on the freedom train. Oh, I would have been there. It's easy to say that now. But how are we doing today regarding racial issues and justice here in the Miami Valley today? That's a better test, right? It's a better test. Because when you're in the tension of something, it's much more difficult. I don't want to dismiss this at all. Some of you are struggling today. You're waiting. You're waiting. Let me give you three keys and take-homes about waiting because we don't want to just point out the situation. Here at church, we always like to have take-homes, practical living from God's word. I want to give you three points. First of all, waiting doesn't mean inactivity. Waiting doesn't mean inactivity. Here are these words from Psalm 37, 34. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. So you're in a season of waiting. What are we to do when we're waiting? Twiddle our thumbs? Are we just in a state of limbo? I can't do anything. No, what does God's word say? Just keep traveling steadily. Just keep on going. Don't be impatient. God's at work on the scene and behind the scenes. So waiting means keep moving forward, trusting that God is in control. You like that? Does that speak to anybody today? Some of you are waiting for, you don't feel like you're being fulfilled in your job. I want to say, just keep being faithful in your current job. Just travel steadily, do the right things. And then in time, you'll see the bigger picture. See, the truth is that God wants you and me to focus our eyes on him instead of the promise. See, often when we feel like we are looking for the blessing, at least in our mind, or what that might be, and it could be totally different than what God has in mind, but we are fixed on that. We're all close to God saying, Lord, I want to be faithful. Here I am. But once we get there, we forget God. God wants us to fix our eyes on him instead of, because he knows our hearts. Abraham loved God. He trusted God. God asked him to give him Isaac. Now, I believe that God really never wanted Isaac. And we see that Isaac was spared in this story. It's kind of a terrible story, but we see the end, it all works out. But it was never to take Isaac. It was to see where Abraham's priorities were at the time. 
to reveal Abraham's true heart. So I want to encourage you to allow God to work on your heart during this season. Waiting doesn't mean twiddle the thumbs. You got it? I'm waiting, but I'm doing. I'm active. I'm allowing God to develop me into the character. That leads me to the next point. God's delays are not God's denials. You like that? Sometimes God says no, because it's not God's perfect, pleasing goodwill. It's our own will. And some things are just harmful, but at the time we may not see the full picture. Um, I remember 30 years ago when I was just a young pastor starting out, it was 1991, and that was the year actually I started as, as an appointed pastor of a church. And there was a song on the radio by Garth Brooks. I'll never forget it. And it was called Unanswered Prayers. Anybody know that song? And so I guess today we're preaching a little of the gospel according to Garth. But, but I remember the words of that song because there's some truth there. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, just because he may not answer doesn't mean what? He don't care. Sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And it's a, there's a story behind that, that he, that he um, when he was young, he was praying for a certain girlfriend. But now looking back, he's so glad that God didn't answer that prayer as he considers his life today with his wife and all. So sometimes God says, no, sometimes God says, wait a little while. You're not ready for it. I'm preparing you. Think about King David. When did King David become king? Well, who anointed King David to become king? It was the prophet Samuel in Jesse's fields outside of Bethlehem when David was a small shepherd boy. That was the anointing of God upon David to be the king. Did David automatically become king? No. It was many, many years before he became king. Saul first became the people's king. And then God was working on his character. And then he became king, a man after God's own heart. Was he perfect as king? No, he sinned. He needed to repent. He needed to submit himself to God. And he did. But God used him greatly. And of course, the Messiah would come out of King David. So this might be a season. You might not um, be ready spiritually to, to take on the next step. And so in this season, perhaps you're praying to be in a relationship, but the person of character that is best for you, you're not there as a person of character. And so what you need to do during this time is, is continue to grow in your faith to the point where God is working on you. God, our father is a good father. God wants the best for us according to his will, not our will. And so when we live in the tension of that, know that God's delays are not God's desires. I pray that speaks to some of you here today. Finally, this, never give up on God's promise. Trust that God is behind the scene at work. Let me go back to the story. So the Holy Spirit had promised Simeon that he would not die until he had beheld the Christ, the Messiah. Now, we don't know how many years that gap was. We don't know if that revelation came when he was 30 years old, now he's 80 years old. Can you imagine waiting 50 years? 
Or we don't know if it was something that happened two years ago. But Simeon just was faithful. He was part of the quiet in the land. He kept on, when he did not receive the promise, he kept on showing up. Can you imagine if he didn't show up for church, for worship in the temple the day that Mary and Joseph actually showed up? That's a reminder to me, the best place for me to be is in the house of praise, amen? That God might speak to me in this new year. There's no better place. But God was at work. Think about this. Even the last few months before this, this biblical event, when the angel appeared to Mary in Nazareth and told her about this son, was Simeon there in Nazareth hearing the message as well? Oh, it's coming, Simeon. Hold on. Don't be impatient. No, where was he at? He was in Jerusalem just showing up for worship. Could this be the day? Could this be the day? Could this be the day? And then when the angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for what is conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. Remember that passage? Was Simeon there by his bedside in the dream hearing this? No. Where was Simeon? He was miles away in the temple in Jerusalem. Could this be the day? Could this be the day? When, remember Christmas Eve, we talked about this. Mary and Joseph making their way 80 miles over three mountain ranges to Bethlehem. No room in the inn. When the angels were singing and the shepherds were praising and dancing. Did Simeon know about that? No. God was behind the scenes working. Simeon's just showing up. Could this be the day? Could this be the day? Could this be the day? 40 days after the birth, not the 39th day, but on the 40th. Can you imagine Every day he's scanning the crowd. Is this the one? Is this the one? Because remember, they were all bringing their sons for the offering. And can you imagine Joseph and Mary, that holy couple, on that 40th day, coming up through Solomon's portico of the temple and the Holy Spirit saying, that's him, Yeshua, the one who will save and here we have this beautiful picture where he takes the baby in his arms and he says, in this child, I see God's salvation for me and for Israel. And let me just pause right here as the personal word and say, and I believe today, if Simeon were here, he would then hand the baby over to you and 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 say, now what will you do with him? Will you find God's salvation for the world in this child? God is working behind the scenes in amazing ways. I wanna tell you one of the stories we close. Heard about this amazing story of these two women. This lady was named Hillary Harris, true story. She was adopted. She found out that she had a sister, but did not know who and where. As she got older, though, she found out when a judge unsealed her adoption papers that her sister's name was Don Johnson, but lived, she believed, in a different state. And then this happened. It was on the Today Show, and we have a clip from Inside Edition. Check this out. 
Hillary Harris was thinking of moving. Her house in Eau Claire, Wisconsin was quaint, but she hated the house next door. First, there was that shared driveway. Then there was the constant turnover of renters who moved in, some of whom were less than desirable neighbors. When these newcomers moved in, Hillary says she had enough. Here we go again. Now what? You know, so I was turned off by her. The two neighbors were cold to each other. She would not acknowledge me whatsoever. I would come get my mail. Shut it. Watch her walk into the house. But for some reason, the new neighbor felt a bond with Hillary's seven-year-old daughter, Stella. Hillary's husband, Lance, got to know the new neighbor. He found out her name was Dawn and she came from Greenwood, Wisconsin, just like Hillary, who had been adopted when she was a baby. The two women would soon find out that they had shared a lot more than a common driveway. She could be my sister. He's like, no. Yeah, and it just no. seemed, uh, it seemed too far-fetched. For Hillary, the final piece of the puzzle came when she learned her neighbor's last name was Johnson. And I knew it had to be my sister. Hillary had found her long-lost sister. We have the same dad, don't we? And I'm like, oh my God, how can this be? I could not believe my sister was living next door to me. And it is magical and crazy. The two sisters began to compare similarities. We have the same chins. And they have some advice for anyone who may not be getting along with their neighbor. Your next door neighbor may actually be your sister. <laughs> so get to know your neighbor, amen? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You say, wow, what a coincidence. I want to say to you, never give up on hope. We believe in hope, amen? Never give up on hope. Now, next week, we're gonna get more direct scripturally to say, how do we follow the will of God? Not our will, but God's will. And then what does it mean to find it? But right now, as we're waiting, I wanna invite you as we close here, just to make yourself an offering to God the first of the year. If you'll do something with me, those, no pressure, but I invite you to, to take your hands just right where you're at. Just open up your palms as if you're saying, here I am, Lord. The greatest offering I give is my life to you. And would you join me in a prayer? Just quietly pray these words that I'll lead us in as a prayer at the first of the year. Let's pray. Lord, as we enter a new year, I'm in a season of waiting in my life. And today, once again, I offer my life to you. As I wait for direction, help me to trust you, to truly trust you, to let go, to turn from everything that I know is unpleasing to you, to follow your will and way as I submit to your love today. Lead me and guide me. Help me to do your will to love you with all my heart, to love my neighbor, even next door. I invite you to walk with me every day, for great is thy faithfulness, O oh God. Thank you for this promise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. 
And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.